0: Welcome to the Driving Test Podcast. This is a show where we do a deep dive into the driving test, exploring all the aspects of it to help you better prepare for that big day. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm going to be your guide throughout your driving test journey. And on today's show, we are joined by another delightful instructor in Sarah Baldock of SB Driving, and we're going to be taking a look at... The reasons why people fail their tests and exploring those reasons to see how you can not suffer the same fate. And as always, we're going to be taking a look at Sarah's top tips. We're going to be looking at a a myth that you may have heard and busting that myth. And we're going to be reviewing Sarah's local test centre just before we dive into the episode i want to remind you all to go and click subscribe so wherever you're listening click subscribe to the show so it drops into your feed on the first or the 15th every month when we release a new episode and if you listen on spotify you'll see that we put either up a question or a poll around this episode so you can go and take part in that over there and the best answer to the questions will get published for everyone else i see on spotify but for now let's get stuck into the show And now on the Driving Test podcast, we are joined by fellow driving instructor, Sarah Baldock. How are we doing, Sarah? I'm all right. Thank you, Terry. How are you? I'm all the better of seeing your smiley face. I'm delighted that you have joined us on this episode of the Driving Test podcast. And today, the big thing we're, well, the thing we're going to start off talking about is why do pupils fail? But just before we get into that, actually, I just want to give you the opportunity to tell the, the people listening just a little bit about you and about your driving school.
1: Well, not much to say really. I'm an ADI. I'm based in Maidstone in Kent. I've been teaching, I don't know, maybe four or five years, something like that now. Can't remember. And that's about it, really. That's all. That's all there is to know about me.
0: Okay. So let's move on to the why do pupils fail then? What are, What's the reasons behind people failing? What would if I asked you that question? What's your first response?
1: Probably being unprepared, which is you know pretty uh, standard thing to say, isn't it? I think sometimes they try and do things differently on a driving test that they would do, that, you know, they wouldn't necessarily do in their in their driving lessons. I'll give you an example. One of my boys recently failed. Um, he was coming off of a roundabout and as he came off the roundabout, he hit the curb. And I'm not, he didn't just bump the curb, he went up the curb and over, you know, over, completely over the pavement. Never done that before, never even hit a curb when we first started. Um, and when I spoke to him about it afterwards, I said, like, why did you do that? And it was right at the beginning of the test as well, bless him. He said, well, I was trying to hold my hands differently on the steering wheel because I thought that's what the examiner wanted to see. And he said, and it felt really uncomfortable and really unnatural. So I think there's there's a bit of that, isn't there? Sometimes they try and they try and second guess what the examiner wants to see. And then when they're, when they're thinking about what, what they think the examiner wants to see, Just messing
0: it up. Completely get that, but I I want to touch back on the first thing you said. So, just to clarify, (laughs) we haven't compared notes before we started. When I asked you why do people fail, your first response was not being prepared. The first thing I wrote down here was lack of preparation. So clearly, we're on the same wavelength, and I think that's a a big clue to anyone listening about the idea of being prepared. So, I, what, what do you mean by that? So, sort of specifically, when you say not prepared enough, how were they not prepared?
1: Um, I I presume it's because they haven't been um, driving on their own independently. And by that, I mean, sometimes you get students who think, oh, yeah, no, I'm absolutely fine to be doing a driving test. I can drive, but they're not really understanding the fact that I'm still telling them what to do in a lot of situations, not every situations, but some situations. And you have to understand that you need to be able to make those decisions on your own. I'm not going to be there when the, when you're on your driving test. I'm not going to be able to say, I can sit in the back if you want me to, but I'm not going to be sat next to you telling you or, you know, discussing with you what, what you need to be doing. You need to be making those decisions on your own. So not only do you need to know physically how to drive the car, but you also need to know what to do in any given situation. And it might be a situation that we haven't covered, that we haven't come across, but you need to have the skills in place to be able to make a quick decision and then act on it safely.
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying there. I think that that there's a when we talk about being prepared, I think sometimes there can be a misconception that we just mean have more hours. And that's right. not what we mean. We mean, as you've said, driving by yourself. And and like you said, the idea of um experiencing a new situation. I say to my guys, you know, I can't hire someone to run out in front of the car. So we can't practice that. So if you go on your test and someone runs out in front of the car, you have to handle that situation the same way if you come across a horse and rider or whatever the situation is we may not have experienced. You have to make those right decisions. So I, I completely agree. The more prepared you can be by driving independently and and just almost taking your instructor out of it, you know, because I think there's that stage, isn't there, where we're almost there just as backup. So the learners are driving by themselves, but this we're still there. We want to get past that stage so you don't need us at all. Yes, yeah, so I completely agree with that. And you then went on to mention about sort of the the random stuff they do. And I think you used a really good example there. So what you were saying was your student basically did something differently because he thought he had to drive differently on a driving test.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Do we
0: need to drive differently on driving tests.
1: I don't think so. I think you need to drive as you drive with your driving instructor. Yeah. Or your your parent or whoever it is, you know, whenever you're whenever you're driving, um, what but I don't understand what the thinking is behind why they feel they have to drive differently and why the examiners, you know, what do they think the examiners are looking for? And what do they think that we're teaching them?
0: I think there's an element there of what people see. So for example, if you think of the number of drivers on the road that will openly say, I can drive, but I wouldn't pass the test. Mm. lots of drivers say that so if you're sat in the car with someone saying that you're going to assume you would need to drive differently on your test compared to real life driving and normal driving so I think maybe there's a bit of that there I think there's also the the hearsay side of it so they hear what their friends tell them you know and we know as instructors and I'm, I'm sure you've done this where you're sat in on the back of a test and a student's done something silly failed and afterwards they'll swear blind they haven't done it because they're in in test mode so what they do then is they tell their friends this other story that isn't actually completely true um which is where these driving test myths come from which you might get into later on but yeah so i think that there's elements of that there they hear stuff from their friends they hear stuff from their family and and what's the thing we hear a lot don't do that on your test don't do that on your test and in reality it's just don't do that Hmm. but because it's put as don't do that on your test i think that's where people separate the two but in reality, the way you drive on lessons should be the way you drive on test, which should be the way you drive after your test. I think for clarity, it is worth mentioning that there is a couple of things different on your driving test. So, for example, the emergency stop. In real life, no one pulls you up beforehand and says, I'm going to put my hand out on shout stop. So there's a couple of things that are kind of fabricated, but, you know, 99% of it is just real life driving,
1: Yeah, I mean, what they what they're doing is they're testing your skills, aren't they? They're looking at your skills. Um, And this is what I say to mine is, is you you turn up at a driving test already having passed because your your sheet is blank, isn't it? Or the the iPad is blank. They haven't filled anything in. And all you need to do is keep it blank. So at the same time it does and this is the other thing it doesn't have to be perfect does it it just has to be safe and i say that to all of mine um you don't have to give them an absolutely perfect um result because you can get up to what is it 15, 14 i can never remember 14 or 15 driving and you fault. can have
0: 16 is a failure
1: yeah um so it, you know it doesn't have to be perfect but you're right going back to the um what they hear I I had this conversation today actually with one of my girls she has moved her driving test from Maidstone um, which I was really pleased about to <laughs> Gillingham um and she got in the car today and she said oh I'm really worried now because my boss has told me that Gillingham's really difficult to pass a driving test in. And so I had to then spend the next sort of 15, 20 minutes talking through, well, it, it's different to Maidstone. It's obviously it's, it's different, but there is nothing there that I don't think, you know, you you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to handle. You should be able to handle all of it. If you can drive in Maidstone, you can drive in Gillingham, you know, but because somebody's already put that doubt in her mind, and I said to her, are you now regretting that you brought it forward? And she was like, mm, No. It's like, really? <laughs>
0: Um, but Yeah, yeah. what I would say to anyone listening is it's a bit like when you get lots of people saying nice things to you and then one person says something that's not nice. All the nice things go out of your brain and you remember the not nice thing. And I think that's a little bit with the driving as well. So you'll be sat with your instructor for two hours, you'll be doing awesome. And then your parent or your friend will say something and all of a sudden your brain starts wandering. And I think it's that, that same principle. And I would just say for anyone listening, just just drive. That's all you're doing. There's there's nothing more to it. You've learned how to drive on your lessons. So just drive. That's it. And Mm -hmm. I even sometimes, like I did there, take the word safely out of it. Because when you're driving, that's driving safely anyway. That should be the standard. It really should. And and I agree with you about the not being perfect thing. Um, I'm also of the opinion that you can drive not perfectly and still get a clean sheet on your test. You know, it's it's possible. You know, but either way, um, let's move on to the next thing because the next thing on my list was actually overthinking, which I think ties in a bit with what you were saying about doing the random stuff on tests. Because you go in and you start overthinking stuff. You know, maybe it's the the junction you've just done. You're thinking about that junction rather than the next one. So I notice you're nodding your head as I'm saying that. Is that on your list as well?
1: Not quite. Well, yes, but not quite. I've got written down lack of confidence, which I think probably kind of comes into that, doesn't it? Because that as soon as they make a mistake in inverted commas, like, for example, uh, my daughter, actually, I'll give my daughter's example. She on her, she took five attempts to pass. Not not a fan of driving is my daughter, um, but she did it and she passed. On on her final test, she bumped the curb just as she was pulling up on the left and she, that was it. She thought, oh, well, I've, I've failed, you know. And it, and, and at the end, the examiner went, no, you just literally kissed the curb. That was absolutely fine. So there's that. And then that lack of confidence comes in, doesn't it? Because they think, oh, no. And they know, you know, if they think maybe if the examiner, ha- I'm going to ask you about this as well, actually, if the examiner intervenes, do they immediately fail? Is it something that they immediately fail? And do yours know that? Do they, Do they believe that?
0: They do, but I think that and we'll get onto that properly, I think, when we come to the myth section. But I think they they assume that initially, but we have the talk, and the talk is about it depends on the intervention. And I think that's everything that comes under the, the driving test banner. It depends. You know, is it a pass? Is it a fail? Is it a driver fault? It depends. And I think that even rolls over into lessons. You know, what would you do here? Well, it depends. You know, this junction you might do it in day one. This junction might do it in day three. And I think it all comes into that. It depends. But mm-hmm. um, it's interesting you put confidence because that's one that, it's on my list as well. So I'm pretty sure that you've been looking over my shoulder today. <laughs> and you, you gave the example of your, I was—I think you said your daughter, when she bumped the curb. I had a similar thing on my nephew when he was doing his parallel park. And I'm pretty sure he got cramp. I think it was cramp. And he had to kind of stop halfway through just for about 30 seconds And he assumed he'd failed and he drove the rest of the test. He carried on driving well, but he drove the rest of the test assuming he'd failed. And then when the examiner passed him, he was like, how did I pass? I had to stop. But he's like, yeah, but what are you going to do? Keep going with cramp. He says, you've had to stop. It's a random situation that you've dealt with.
1: Yeah. And this is the thing. This is, I use the phrase, what would you do in real life? And I, you know, to mine, if if we come across a situation that they're not quite sure about, and I said, well, what what would you do in real life? Like today, I'll give you an example. We were going down um, a horrible country road, and it was really busy, and this was completely my fault. I didn't realise, but there was um, a a diversion. And so it was a lot busier than normal. So we, we had to stop, and we actually had to reverse quite a long way. And I actually had to help her with her steering and reversing. So I took over the steering, because she was just like, I can't do this. And I afterwards, I said to her, you know, what How what would you have done if I wasn't there? What, how would you have coped with that? What would you have done in real life? You know, and she said, oh, I probably would have sat there and cried. And I was like, right, okay. But is that helpful? Is that, you know, what, what, what good would, would that have done? Would you have still been sat there now crying? She went, yeah, probably. <laughs> so it's that, you know, if you come across something on your driving test that you haven't come across before... Just use your common sense. What would you do in real life? Take the test out of it. What would you do if I wasn't in the car with you or Terry wasn't in the car with you or your instructor's not there? What would you do? How would you deal with it? And that's the way you need to kind of approach the test, I think, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I mean, just on that, because I think it's a good example that, you know, on lessons, for example, if you start getting really panicky and switchy while you're driving, like properly panically, we'd pull up a side of the road for a minute. And, well, you do the same on your test. And I'm not on about nerves for anyone listening. I'm not on about just being a little bit nervous. if you are having a genuine issue with driving, so whether that's a panic attack, whether I mentioned my nephew, you've got something physical that's stopping you, tell the examiner and say, can we pull up for a minute? And they'll say, fine. And, and sometimes they actually spot that and they'll ask you to pull up. They won't tell you why, but they'll ask you to pull up and they'll time it because they've just seen that you're getting a bit stuck. If you like, um, with your nerves or whatever, so because that's what, as you were saying, that's what you do in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you got cramp doing a parallel park in real life, you wouldn't keep going. You'd stop for a second, get your gritty cramp, and then carry on. Because I dread to think what parallel park would have been like if you carried on doing it with cramp in your left leg. That could be interesting. He wasn't clutch, but yeah, yeah, another good one. there. Is there anything else that you think is an underlying reason why people fail?
1: Um, I think. Uh there's well we've kind of covered it a little bit haven't we but I think fear of the unknown is a big one isn't it and I think that's where the mock tests come in um I use mock tests quite a lot um and I think that that really especially with some of the students who really think oh no I'm doing everything on my own you know I can pass a test I'm going to bring my test forward I think that when they actually do a test and it's usually with me so they know me and they're comfortable um it can be quite a shock sometimes as to actually you're not quite there you're not far off but you're not actually quite there yet and then it it kind of opens their eyes up to what they need to then you know the level that they do need to be driving at um so I would recommend yeah mock tests are a really good way to kind of um overcome that so that you've got an idea of what's going to happen you know makes sense doesn't it
0: That's a really good shout. Because as we said earlier on, you never know what's going to happen, so we can't prepare for everything. But the more preparation you can do, the better. And that way, if you get used to random stuff happening, then if something random happens on your test, then you've got more experience of it. And I think the only other thing – there's a lot of reasons why people fail, obviously, but I think the only other thing I want to chuck on for today – and again, we've even touched on this a little bit, but it's bad advice. Mm. It's bad advice. Um, you know, we've we've all had students that have gone for the test, and the parent or their friend has given them some bad advice. And again, we're going to touch on myth bust in a second. But I would, I always say to my guys, if you're coming towards your test and your mum gives you some advice, or your dad, or whoever it is. You just run it by me first. Use me as a filter because I can just tell you whether that's actually relevant or whether it's going to cause you more of a problem. So it, it, have you come across that, people getting advised badly?
1: Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite a lot. Um, I've, one of my lads, has, um, he he drives an old, he, he does a lot of private practice, actually. He's really lucky with his dad. And his dad sound, does sound lovely and, and great. He drives an old Alfa Romeo, so it's quite temperamental, his car. Um, but his dad, um, has encouraged him to change down through the gears when he's slowing. So he has to go to third and then he has to go to second whilst he's slowing down and actually coming to a stop. And it makes his driving quite chaotic. And I picked up on it last time. Um, and he said, well, that my dad said, you have to, you have to change down through the gears. And I said, well, what, when you're actually coming to a dead stop, you know, a red light, You're not going to be moving on again. Why do you need to change down through the gears? And he went, "Oh," he said, "I don't know." He said, "But that's so much easier doing it your way." (laughs) And I went, "Yeah, (laughs) funny that, isn't it?" So, but yeah, and and, and the the trouble is with with um, parents. They learn to drive. You know, most of them, you know, my age, they learn to drive when I learned to drive, and that's how we were taught. We were taught to go down through the gears. You know, Um, but you don't necessarily need to do that nowadays. So, yeah, I would say if you've if you're lucky enough to have private practice do it take it you know take that opportunity because it's really invaluable but like you say run it run it past your instructor have a chat with you and I don't know about you but I I tend to, I all mine if, if they're having private practice the first thing I ask them is have you done any driving how's it gone what's happened you know any you got any any issues so that they know that they can talk to me about it um but yeah, it, and it comes from, a, it does come from a place of love and wanting to help them, doesn't it? But, in, but it, quite often it's it's not, it's a bit of a hindrance, isn't it?
0: The uh, the gears one does make me chuckle. You know, you pull up outside of the road and they go four, three, two, one. Um, and my question is, did you use second and third at any point? Or did you, no, right, well, we don't need them so i do find that interesting that you know we there was definitely a big overlap in the things that we were talking about there so for anyone listening that wasn't planned just so you're aware so i think that just shows that as instructors we do it's the things we see a lot it's the reasons we see a lot so and i don't think it's a coincidence that your first one and my first one was lack of preparation so anyone listening just make sure you're prepared because if you're not prepared you're likely going to fail or if you fluke and pass you're going to be dangerous on the road. So just make sure you're prepared.
1: I would add to that as well, that don't think that if your instructor, or or don't automatically think if your instructor is saying, you need a little bit more time, we're not doing it because we want to get more money out of you. We have enough work at the minute. We're doing it because we care about you and we want to keep you safe and we want to make sure that you're safe on the roads. That's that's it. There is no other reason. There's no other motive. Certainly not from my point of view, and I guess not yours either, Terry. Uh,
0: I would agree with that. Okay. So one of the things we do on this podcast is we look at a particular driving test myth and where we basically dispel it and explain it. So you've kind of touched on it already, but do you want to tell us what the myth is around your driving test and potentially why it's not correct
1: um uh, I've written down I've written down three Terry but I think probably the most interesting one is um, if the examiner steps in on your driving test it's an instant fail and I don't think it necessarily is each and every time it like you say it depends on the situation doesn't it and I'll give you an example one of my girls recently who passed um, was in the middle of Maidstone on the one-way system ridiculously busy and there was an emergency vehicle trying to get through the traffic and the examiner very calmly just said to her told her exactly what to do exactly where to go and exactly where to stop and she said to me at the end of the test she said I thought I'd failed because he he told me what to do she passed with zero zero faults And he, you know, he was like, no, because it was a situation that I, you know, one, it is a dangerous situation because there's an emergency vehicle and it's, you know, it's emergency trying to get, trying to get through. Um, And two, it's probably might have been something that you hadn't come across. It was really busy. And he said, so I helped. And that, but she thought, oh, no, he's, he's inter he's intervened and therefore it's an immediate fail.
0: I agree. Uh, it depends. Now, let's be honest. Usually, if an examiner intervenes, then it's going to lead to a fail. Um, but I think when we talk about that, we're more talking about interfering in the test. Whereas if someone, if the examiner does, like you have said, or the one that comes to my mind straight away is help with directions uh, and that side of it, that's... Fine. You know, that's what they're there for in that sense. So, yeah, I think I would agree with that. Don't assume that just because the examiner has done something, you've failed. And I think the other thing I would say that is, I think, quite important that, but easy to forget on your test. And I kind of understand why that. Let's just imagine the examiner had to use the brakes on their side of the car. Let's be honest when they've failed for that. So, it's easy to give up. And, and because you've, you're you assuming you've failed, but you're then going to drive dangerously. Mm. You still need to drive safely because you're driving a car. So whether you've passed or not, you still need to drive the remainder of the test safely. You're responsible for the safety of you and the examiner and the car and everyone else on the road. So even if you know you failed, which to be fair, you don't until you finish, but even if you knew you'd failed, you still need to drive safely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, it, it, it's more experience, isn't it? So if you keep going and you keep going well and you remember all your mirrors and you do everything that you're supposed to do, it, it's just another sort of half an hour of independent driving, isn't it? Even if you think even if you fail right at the beginning, you're still in charge of that car for half an hour. So it's, you know, keep going. Don't give up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, and I think that's a very good myth to bust. Um, so, yeah, good shout but we're also going to get a top tip from you. So what is your top tip for the students listening to to help them pass that driving test?
1: My top tip, um, and this is generally, I aim this generally at, at the girls, not wanting to sound sexist, but we do like to chat, us girls. Um, and I always say to them, don't you don't need to be friends with the examiner. You don't need to talk constantly with them. You don't need to chatter to them. You don't need to ask about their day. Um, they will make polite chit chat conversation with you and I always say that on off the back of whatever they ask you they uh, the, it, the, the normal one is so what would you be doing Terry if you weren't on your driving test today isn't it you always get that one and I always say to them off the back of the answer of what you say they will they will gauge whether or not one you're confident to talk to them two whether you want to talk to them um so if you give them a one word answer of not much or whatever they'll go okay. I'll sit back and I'll let you carry on. If you get, if you know, say, oh, I'm, I'm, might be been at sixth form or whatever, whatever, you know, should be in English now or whatever. Um, then they'll, they'll make a little bit of conversation with you, won't they? But you don't have to be their friend. You don't have to befriend them. They're there to do a job. They're there to make sure that you're doing your job properly, um, and that's it. You know, that would be my tip: is don't, don't chit chat too much with them and get distracted.
0: And another good tip, uh, and I think I will just chip in there and say that also with the examiners, I think it's easy to forget sometimes, but the people with different personalities. So different examiners will generally be more chatty than others. And, and as you said, they will gauge what what you as students uh, on your test, they'll gauge how much you want to talk. But there will be some examiners that just give you directions regardless because they don't want to talk. And that's not in the, the job description their job is to assess your driving and your job is to drive safely that's it um but yeah i would i would back up what you're saying and if you feel comfortable talking that puts you at ease do it if you'd rather drive in silence do it if you'd rather have the radio one, tell the examiner you can have it on quietly i'd maybe suggest against hardcore hip-hop or something like that maybe it may help you drive a bit too fast but um whatever floats your boat shall we say
1: no, I was going to say that as well. Don't, you know, don't don't worry if you want to have the, the radio on, because I always get asked that question. Can I have the radio on? Of course you can have the radio on. Just don't have it blaring, you know, make sure you can hear what the examiner is saying to you. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so thank you for that tip. I think that's a good one for anyone listening. But we're going to finish up talking about one of your local test centres. So which test centre are we going to be talking about today?
1: Hmm. So I generally use Maidstone driving test centre um which is um it's quite a a small test centre I suppose and it has a shared car park so it doesn't have its own dedicated car park there are um other offices and it is uh like you know shared so there are people coming and going all the time so it's quite busy um there's not very many parking spaces there's about I don't know maybe eight parking spaces um and that's it. And you, yeah, it's, um in a just <laughs> you wouldn't even know it was there unless, you know, you were looking for it. Um, And it can be quite difficult. You can fail as you come out quite easily. If you, because it, because it's a two way entrance, if you're too far over on one side, you, you, they'll fail you straight away. Um, And yeah, we have a wide variety of roads. Um, it's actually quite a cool place to learn to drive Maidstone because we do have rural roads literally five minutes away we've got the motorway as well Um, the only thing we don't really have in any kind of close proximity is um, a really decent sort of dual carriageway like 70 mile an hour dual carriageway and we've got 50s Um, there are a couple but you do have to drive out to get to them but yeah loads of town stuff um, loads of um, really tricky one-way gyratory system y type things um, and lots of roundabouts yeah so it's quite challenging
0: uh, it's a good mixture of everything it sounds like
1: yeah it is it is really good and that's I think it's that's why it's quite a challenge and that's why I really like teaching there because you can you know one one lesson you can be doing lovely country rural roads next lesson you'll be out you know looking at one-way streets and no entries and all that sort of stuff really tight narrow horrible roads so yeah it's a variety keeps you on your toes
0: well i think you've covered that quite nicely but there's one more question i want to ask and it's an awkward question to answer but what are the examiners like they're friendly or uh
1: well at at the minute we've got um we're in a bit of trouble actually because we've got two full-time examiners two part-time examiners and that's it um and one of our uh we've got one lady and three males and the lady is leaving she's going back to instructing and then, but I think we've got another lady coming in to cover. But I, that's not set in stone. I don't think so. I'm not really, I'm not really sure about that. But they are generally very nice.
0: Well, that's good to hear because they're not always everywhere.
1: <laughs> uh, they are, they are, they are really nice, and they're very supportive, and they're quite a- approachable. And we, as in- instructors, we do have regular ADI surgeries with them, either via Zoom or, or the last one actually was um, in the test center itself. So they're quite um, approachable. They're quite
0: nice. I mean, I do joke, but I've yet to find an examiner that I would say isn't fair. You know, I no. think they're all fair, and the different people, as we said before, different personalities. So you may get an examiner you get on with, you may get one you don't get on with, but that's just life. Um, they will assess you fairly, is what I would say. I would um, say that
1: as well. And and the thing is, and that this comes back to um listening to other people as well, doesn't it? Because quite often My students will say, "Oh, I don't like—I'm not going to name names—but I don't like them because they failed my mate last week." You know, and you think, "Well, that's okay, but why did they fail your mate last week?" You know. (laughs) So it's you need to go in with a with an open mind into it, and they are, like you say, they're human beings, and they're all really nice. They know you're nervous, and they try their very best, most of them, to put you at your ease. They really do.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, we do appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything else you'd like to mention?
1: no i don't think so thank you very much for having me back it's been really good fun
0: and just remind people uh where you're based and where they can find you if they want to go and follow you
1: um well I, yeah i i i have um an instagram account which is um sb driving and i have a facebook page which i don't really use but that's sarah baldock driving um and i'm yeah based in maidstone so yeah there we go now-
0: I would definitely recommend checking out Sarah's uh, Instagram feed. Uh, There's always lovely stories on there. More of a stories man than a scrolling. But uh, (laughs) yeah, so definitely check it out. But thank you for joining us today. It's very much appreciated.
1: You're welcome. Thanks, Terry.